0: Yes, flight five two seven, ready for departure. <laughs> Harvest Church. Second, out, check Gentlemen, start your engine. The people in your life. With the you need help, then dial your operator. Two four. hope you enjoyed your flight with us this afternoon, and we'll enjoy this again sometime in the future. Well, we are finally here. We've made it. Week number four of a four-part series, and I am so glad you're here this morning. If you have not been a part of weeks one, two, or three, please let me encourage you to go back and to pick those up, listen to it on Facebook Live, or catch it on our SoundCloud account, because there's some wonderful information that can dramatically make a difference for your future. I really hope you will. Also, as you leave today, you will notice that hanging on the line where we've got the next steps uh, on that next step wall, it'll be on your left as you walk down the hallway. Please grab today's next step. If you missed week two or week three, that's up there as well. You can grab, grab whatever you missed. And if you say, where's week one? We didn't have one on the line for week one. So just two, three, and then today, number four. So let me just kind of backtrack just a little bit to kind of help you understand where we have been and where we're ending up today. I told you last week, if you take what we said last week without what we're going to say this week, then you so easily could miss what we're trying to say. So please, please, thank you for being here today and combine this with the other weeks. But let me kind of catch you up with where we've been. We started off this series and have mentioned this piece of wisdom given to us by a wisdom writer in the Old Testament. And listen to what he said. He gives us a promise, and he gives us a warning. He says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So we wanted to define wisdom a wise person and the definition we came up with was this a wise person is the one who knows the difference between right and wrong and they choose to do the right thing even when it's difficult all right that's a that's a good there's other definitions but this is our working definition for this series and I think it's a good solid definition that we could lean into pretty heavily now the promise is this though if you will stick close to that person if you, will, if you will just be near them, hang out with it, spend some time with them, get close to them, the promise is this, wisdom will rub off on you. That's a good promise. I like that. It has made a difference in my life and continues to. But I have also experienced the other side of that. The other side of that verse says, but a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. So we also wanted to give a definition of, well, what is a fool? So here's what we came up with. We said a fool is someone who knows the difference. So like a wise person, they know the difference between right and wrong, but they choose to do wrong. Now understand this a little bit more. They really don't even care about doing the right thing. They're not dumb. They're not slow. They just are not interested in doing the right thing. In fact, you could take this person, described by this Old Testament uh, wisdom writer, as a fool, and you could take this person, and before they make that decision, that is this bad decision, choosing wrong, you could point out all the negative consequences that are going to happen. If they were to make this choice, this will happen, and guess what? It's not going to stop them. I mean, he's going to do it anyway because he's going to do what he wants to do, and he's going to do it when he wants to do it. Now, this verse led us to this statement. And this has kind of been our series statement, and here it is. The friends we choose will determine the direction and the quality of our lives. You can lean hard into this because it comes straight out of that wisdom writing. The friends we choose will determine the direction and the quality of our lives every time. You know, most of us operate under the assumption that we kind of freely look around and we choose uh, the friends that we pull into our lives. And so even that person that is, could be described as the foolish person who knows the difference between right and wrong, and they choose to do wrong, if you have that, we all have that person in our life, you look at that and you say, I've chosen them as my friend. We think we have freely chosen them, but honestly, we could not be further from the truth. Here's, here's why we know this. If we were carefully choosing our friends, we wouldn't need this series. And if we were carefully choosing our friends, you know what? We really wouldn't even need that verse to be in the Bible. If we were take a, to take a list of all the good characteristics of a wise friend and we were to go looking for that person. We wouldn't need this series if we were doing that. If we were to make a list of the top five characteristics that we wanted in this wise friend or in this person that we were going to date, if we were to look for those five characteristics and then we take those five characteristics and we look at who our friend circle is right now and maybe even the person you're dating, And you look around and you say, Whoa, most of us would have to admit, my closest relationships don't meet those qualities. You see, if we had been choosing, we would have held out until we found someone who made the cut. But here's the secret that we gave you on week number two we usually don't choose. We don't choose our friends. You know what we do instead? We gravitate toward acceptance. And we hook up with the people who are most accepting of us. We are acceptance magnets. And we gravitate toward acceptance. It's in our very nature. We have a tendency to avoid people that we think are going to reject us, and we gravitate toward people and toward groups that we think will accept us. And here's where this gets sticky. Because those people who accept us, they have some influence in our lives. So much so that Paul, one of the main writers in the New Covenant, this New Testament, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is speaking to a group of Christ followers. He says this to them. He says in verse 7, You were doing so well. What made you stop obeying the truth? How did he persuade you? Because here's the reason, I think. The person who accepts you gets you. They get to influence you. We all naturally resist the influence of people that we don't feel accepted by. We keep them at an arm's distance, but we drop our guards with people who accept us. And I want you to know this. God has a -a one-of-a-kind plan for your life he does for me too. I love the way Paul describes this in this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. We read this a couple of weeks ago. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to how God, Paul describes God's plan in your life and, and this whole thing about it. Ephesians 2. He says, for we are God's own handiwork. We are his workmanship. And another word for that is you are his masterpiece recreated in Christ Jesus, that means born new, recreated in Christ Jesus that we may do those good works which God predestined, in other words, he planned beforehand for us. And he explains this further here, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time for you and for me. He said that we should walk in them, living this good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has a -a one-of-a-kind, amazing plan for your life. Do you know what that is for you? Because I really want you to know, what has God created you to be? And that's why it's so important when you walk down the hall. If you weren't here for, um, let's see, week number three. If you weren't here for week number 3, nope, week number 1. If 2. <laughs> so sorry. Week number 2, grab week number 2 off the line because you can work through this next step and you can discover part of what God's plan is for you. You need to know that destination. You need to know the journey, the direction toward that. We don't know all the details, but we have a good idea. Of what some of that is, and that sheet will help you understand it. And we challenge you to take that, write it down clearly so you have a clear idea of the direction God has for you, the destination that He has created in you. And then ask yourself with every relationship that you have, is this relationship, is this relationship, this friendship, leading me toward God's plan for my life? Or is this friendship leading me somewhere else? This is an important step. I hope that you, if you have not done yet, you will take that step with us. Make sure you grab week number two off the line. Paul goes on. He says in 1 Corinthians, Do not be deceived bad company corrupts good morals. Now listen, Paul is basically saying the very same thing that the wisdom writer said that we read at the beginning. Only now, several thousand years later, Paul is saying, don't be deceived. You can be a really, really good person. You can be a really, really moral person. But the direction of your life and the quality of your life is going to be largely determined by the people in your life. Do not be deceived, Paul says. Bad company corrupts good morals. In fact, he goes on. Now the wisdom writer says this in Proverbs 18. He says, there are friends, friends that you have, maybe even some right now, who point the way to ruin you may have friends right now who are pointing the way to ruin. And we talked about that. Um, uh, uh, We talked about there are friends that you have that are leading you away from God's best, away from God's plan. Because we know this, the friends we choose will determine the direction and the quality of our lives. The wisdom writer said, we, we talked about this last week, the godly give good advice to their friends. We kind of gave them a label last week. We said, you know what, that sounds like a true friend to me. A true friend. True friends are going to love us, not just accept us. Yes, they're going to accept us, but they're going to love us. And here's what I mean by that. True friends accept us just as we are with all of our problems, all of our troubles, They accept us as we are, but they love us too much to leave us that way. That is a true friend. But this verse goes on. It says, the wicked, or we could say the foolish here, the wicked lead them astray. So we said we have some friends who are true friends who love us, accept us just how we are, but they love us too much to leave us that way. But then we have some friends who are leading us astray, away from God's best. And we said last week, let's give that a label. And for this series, we said, you know what, we're going to call that a counterfeit friend. A counterfeit friendship. These are people who do accept us but they don't have our best interest in mind. They accept us, but they don't have God's best for us in mind. And last week, we asked you to look very closely at all of your relationships, and we ask you, will you determine, to the best of your ability, which of those friendships can be called true friends? Which of those friendships can be called true friends where they have God's best in mind for you, they're moving, helping you move in a direction toward God, or which of those friends could fall into the category of what we call counterfeit friendships because this friendship won't get you toward God's plan and purpose for your life. And this relationship, they don't have your Best interest in mind. You know whose interests they have in mind? Theirs. Theirs. So now, this week, what are we going to do with all these friendships? What are we going to do with them? What are you going to do with what I hope that you have discovered the previous three weeks of this series? What are you going to do with all of that? that you've discovered about your relationships. Because I hope that you have discovered some true friends. Some friends who, who, who accept you just how you are, but they love you too much to leave you that way. True friends who are helping you move in that direction of God's best for your life. I hope you've discovered some, but you've probably also discovered some counterfeit friendships. Some folks who don't have God's best in mind for you. What are we going to do? And here's here's what I hope you'll do today. I hope first that you will evaluate. I hope you'll evaluate because we're going to talk about some very specific places that these friends and relationships should have in your life. I hope you will evaluate them and determine who is where in your life. And here's the second thing. I hope that you will rotate, not just evaluate, but rotate. You need to possibly make some changes, some adjustments, some positional changes in your relationships. And here's the last thing I hope you do. I hope you will constantly and consistently love the people around you and relate to the people around you. So let's get started with today. So here is relationship circle. This is number one. I know it looks like a giant hockey puck. (laughs) Oh, goodness, look at this. It's going to hit me right in the gut. Relationship circle number one. We're going to call this relationship circle. We're going to call this your circle of concern, okay? Your circle of concern. Now, I told you last week that what we said last week must be coupled Combined with what we're going to say today, and and this is why. We don't throw people away. We do not throw people away. Uh, you, You know those folks we talked about last week, you have friends who are struggling. We don't kick them out of our lives. We don't throw them away. Those friends who don't take care of themselves... Those friends who have self-destructive behaviors and self-destructive habits, we don't kick them out of our lives. Those friends who are hurting deeply, you don't abandon them and kick them out of your life. Those friends who are not headed the same direction that you're headed, you, you, you don't give them the boot and send them on their way. No, no, no. May we never do that. In fact, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, you know what? We do not throw rocks at people. We don't throw rocks. What do we throw? Yeah, lifelines. We don't throw rocks. We throw lifelines to people. And this is where they are. In our circle of concern. Now I want to hit pause for just a moment. You may have some relationships in your life that are so harmful to you, possibly physically. Or you may have some relationships that are so harmful to you or your family right now, emotionally, that you have had to put an arm up and set a very firm boundary. And so there are actually some people, and it's not going to be many, but there could be Some people in your life that you have had to establish a boundary and they are not in even this circle of concern. It doesn't mean you're not concerned about them. Uh, Yes, you are concerned about them and you are praying for them. But there are some people in your life that out of protection and out of wisdom you may have had to set a boundary and they may not be a part of your everyday life. Before you make that decision, unless it is a matter of physical safety, before you make that decision, please read the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. Please read that. They're going to help you understand some good boundaries that you may need to place in your life to help. And please read that before you make that decision to set that kind of a boundary. Unless it is your physical safety, then it needs to be immediate. So that's my pause. This circle of concern, these are all of those people in your life that, that really don't meet those requirements that you call, would be able to call, this is a wise person. This is a wise friendship. This is a true friend who, who loves me uh, and accepts me, and lo- but loves me too much to leave me the way they found me, right? Okay. This is every, all of the other relationships. The relationships that are not really maybe people that are moving in the same direction that you're moving. People who do have some self-destructive harmful behaviors that are not taking care of themselves. This is where they are in your circle of concern. And there's some very specific aspects to your relationship with these people. Because we do not kick them to the curb. We do not abandon them. Here's what they need from you. They need from you, and you can give to them freely your encouragement, your love and your encouragement. They need that from you. But not only do they need your encouragement, they also need your invitation. You need to be inviting these people um, to, to meet the one who is in the process of changing your life. You need to be inviting them to sit next to you in this family called Stuttgart Harvest Church. Invite them on a Sunday morning where they can begin the process of hearing. They can see it in your life and hear it in your conversation with them and then come here where we can also teach them together. You need to be inviting them and you also need to be praying for them. All of these relationships in your circle of concern, they need your encouragement. They need your invitation. They need your prayers. Let me make a comment about time. They need enough of your time so you can encourage them. And they need enough of your time so you can invite them. But I want to be, this may be hard to hear, but, but I need to say it these are not your ride or die people. We talked about that. these are not your ride or die people. If you are giving these are not the people that you are hanging out with. these are not the people you're going to the river with these are not the people that you're riding around with these, these are not the people because that's too much time time plus. Person equals influence. These, these friends in your life get enough time so you can encourage them, so you can invite them, so you can pray for them. If these are your ride-or-die people, I'm just going to say it. It's true. They're your die people. Okay. Okay. There's another circle of of friends, though. This is your circle of influence, all right? So your circle of influence are, are people who have passed this true friend test that you have been looking at and analyzing based upon what you have heard in week one, two, and three. These people have God's best in mind for you. And they've proven it by the way that they live, the decisions they make, and the things they say. They have proven that they have God's best for you in their mind. Now, here's a real problem. Some of us have people in our circle of influence that do not have our best in mind God's best for us in mind we don't we have some people in our circle of influence who are leading us to ruin and here's where we have to evaluate and we have to reorder we have to evaluate and then rotate some things around because if you have if you are spending too much time With someone who's not a wise person, and they're not leading you towards God's best, too much time, then they are directing your life. You know, they are going to, the, you know, the the friends we have are going to determine the direction and the quality of our life, and that's where it comes right here. This person has more of your time, and if it's the wrong person you will be moving the wrong direction. It's just life. That's what happens. The person of influence needs to be the people, the the persons who have passed that wisdom test, that true friend test. They know the difference between right or wrong and they're choosing right even when it's difficult. That true friend who loves you and accepts you But they accept you just as you are, but they love you too much to leave you that way. That's who these people are the people of influence. Now, the people of influence get everything that the people of concern get from you, the people of influence get that encouragement. Uh, that people of influence get the invitation. But this time, you're inviting them not just to sit beside you because they're probably sitting either already here or they're sitting in another church. You're not trying to get them to come here if they're going there. You're inviting them this time. You're inviting them into the inner part of your life, some of those problems, some of those troubles, even the good things. See, you're not talking about the troubles of your life down here with the folks of concern. Because you know why? They're going to have some advice for you. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Do what your heart says. Only you can determine that. Do what your heart says. That's what they're going to say. But here, the reality is, no, 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 no. That is not wise advice. That is not going to lead you in the direction. Our hearts are going to lead us away. So that's why... The people of influence, you share with them. You invite them into some of those troubles that you have because there's wisdom there. All right? So they get your encouragement, just like the people of concern. They get an invitation of sorts, like the people of concern get a different invitation. But they also get your prayer. They do. So they get all the things that the people of concern get. But you give them some things that you don't give to the, your friends in the circle of concern. You give them some different things. You know what else you give them? You give them, uh, you, you give them more time. These are your ride-or-die people. You give them more time because time plus person equals influence, and that wise person does get more of your time. That true friend who loves you and accepts you, but they love you too much to leave you the way they found you. That person who knows the difference between right or wrong, but they choose to do right even when it is difficult. They get more of your time. You know what else they get? They get your cooperation, and here's what, not that you're, combative down here. But here's what I mean by cooperation. The person of influence, the the circle of influence, those friends who are there, they get your cooperation. In other words, you are pouring into their life and they are pouring into yours. Because it is a wise relationship. They get your cooperation. And then I've already noted this. They also get inside Of your problems because it's much safer in the hands of this someone who's in the circle of influence they can get inside of your problems and give you encouragement and help because they are moving you in the direction encouraging you in the direction of God's best for your life now there's one other circle this is a little one that sits up here on top it's the circle of intimacy now this is a special circle in fact there's only one single person in this circle. In the circle of intimacy, that is reserved for just one person. That is reserved for the person that you will marry. And oh, how important it is for that person to have first been in your circle of influence as a wise person, as a true friend. You don't want to be looking down here in your circle of concern for your spouse. mm You need to be looking here from the circle of influence and one person will emerge there as your spouse from the circle of influence into the circle of intimacy, one single person. And this person gets everything that the persons in the circle of concern get. They get your encouragement. They get your invitation. And and they get your uh, prayers. Plus, they get everything that the people who are in your circle of influence get. They also get your uh, time, more of your time. They get your cooperation. And they get inside of your problems. But they get something else that no one else in either of the two circles get. They get your intimacy. They get your all. These are the three circles, and we have spent our time here with the circle of influence and the circle of concern, but there's something missing. One thing that holds all of your relationships together from the very center of your life, one single relationship, there it is pictured, It is your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus. And I would go so far as to say, if your relationship with Jesus, if you don't have one, then you cannot really ever experience the proper relationships in any other area of your life the way God designed them to be experienced, you can't experience them the way God designed if Jesus is not in the center of your life. And let me take it a step further. If your relationship with Jesus is not healthy, then you cannot experience a healthy relationship with anyone in any of these circles of your life the way God has designed them function. So let's start here. If you don't know him yet, if you don't know Jesus yet, I want you to do this one thing this week. Will you begin to read the first four books of the New Testament, this new covenant that I talked to you about? Will you begin to read those first four books because it's, it's, it's biographical information inspired by God about God This one person named Jesus. Will you begin to get to know him? Read those first four biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Will you read those? And begin getting to know who Jesus is, this person that we're telling you that needs to be at the center of your life. And if you have been following Jesus, but you don't feel like you really know him, you need to jump in there. Read that too. The first four books of the New Testament. Read those. Begin that process this week. Let me give you a snapshot. This is by no means a replacement. Please, you must read those. Let me give you a snapshot, though, very quickly of what they say. We learn that God created everything, and His ultimate creation, His ultimate treasure was mankind. That's us. And things were perfect until mankind decided to live life on their own terms. And he broke away, mankind broke away from God's way to live his own way. And living life on our own terms has a label, and that label is called sin. And since the very first sin creation has been broken ever since and that means not just broken but separated from god since the very first sin but god god didn't want us his treasured creation mankind to spend an eternity separated from him so he had to fix the sin problem you see the sins of the world that's a lot of sin Because we're talking about every sin that's been committed and every sin that will be committed. That's a lot of sin. That's a huge price to be paid. That is going to take some kind of perfect sacrifice. And there's only one perfect sacrifice that could ever happen because there's only one perfect, and that is God Himself. God is going to have to sacrifice Himself. But here's the problem. God can't die. So God... In his infinite wisdom and infinite love, God put on the flesh and blood of his creation. God became a man. He stepped out of heaven and onto this earth as a man. And that man was fully man. I mean, you pinched him, it hurt. You cut him, he bled. He was really man. Heart beating, he was alive. But at the same time, and I can't explain this, I just know that's what we're told. That's what what he tells us and reveals to us. At the same time, he's fully God. Fully man, fully God. But now that God was a man, God could die. And this fully God, fully man, he had a name. His name is Jesus. And he came here for one purpose, to die for the sins of the world. Mine, yours, everybody's. He came here to die for the sins of the world and to defeat death by walking out of that grave alive again. And all of those who transfer the ownership of their lives from ourselves, from myself to Him, from yourself to Him, saying, God, I was the boss, now You're the boss. I owned myself, now You own me to all of those who transfer ownership of their lives from them to Him, they are now connected, reconnected with God for eternity. And Jesus says this in John 15, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you know what? That's exactly, precisely What Jesus did. And I love the way that Paul describes this. I just want to read it to you. This wonderful work of what Jesus did for us. God living among us as a man. Jesus. He describes it in the book of Romans chapter 5. Let me read this. When we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Oh, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, that was the sacrifice, He will then certainly save us from God's condemnation. I love this phrase. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. And here's where we end with this. So now we can rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? What has He made us? Friends. Friends of God. And in Jesus, in this one who is God who lived among us, you will find your perfect friend. It is this Jesus that you need in the center of your life a growing, healthy connection with Jesus that you must have in order for your relationships to be healthy and to be what God wants them to be. In this Jesus, this perfect friend, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that He understands what we go through. You know why? Because he went through it. God himself put on this flesh and blood and went through it. You're going to find out that he understands our human needs. He understands exhaustion. He understands the need for us to pull away at times and to be alone. He understands our trauma the emotional trauma we go through. He understands your abuse. He understands our hurts and our hang-ups. And we can gather up all of those things that we call junk in our lives. We can gather them up and we can confidently come to Jesus. And there, He's going to meet us with the grace that we need at our time of need. Jesus is the correct center for your life. He's the correct center of everything in your life. The correct center of all of your relationships. The correct center for you and your spouse. The correct center for those that you choose to allow to be in that circle of influence the correct center for all of those many people in your life that you have in your circle of concern. Jesus is the correct center for you in all of those relationships. And if Jesus is not yet the boss of your life, if He's not yet the center of your life and your relationships, if you are not yet a Christ follower, that is the starting place and everything that we have talked about the past three weeks lead to this point right now. That is the starting place. Jesus in your life as your boss, as your owner. And I just simply ask this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because you can start right now. You can start right here. And I'm going to ask you to just pray with me in just a moment. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to say it out loud. This is what I call a Me Too prayer. All of our heads in just a moment are going to be bowed. I'm going to say a prayer that is in essence saying, God, I want you to be my boss. I want you to be my owner. And if that is your heart's cry, if that is what you're saying, I call it a me too prayer. You just say, Jesus, that's me too. What he's saying, ah, that's me. It speaks for me. I'm saying yes to you. You just tell him in your heart. Are you ready? Pray with me. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, you died so I could live. Jesus, thank You for forgiving my sins. You defeated death so that I could connect with You, God, forever. And You defeated my sin on the cross. I give You my life right now. I turn from my path and following me and following others. I turn from that and I'm choosing You your path. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm asking you to be my boss. I'm asking you to be my owner. And in your name, Jesus, I commit my life to you right now. Amen.